Hello and welcome. You're listening to episode number 53 of the podcast at the crossroads of the Safe Network, right here at safecrossroads.net. I'm your host, John Ferguson, the simpleton of Project Safe, because really, not everybody can be a geek. Most of us aren't. But uh, it's important stuff we're talking about. This Safe Network is uh, really something. And we try and reach down and uh, reach out and uh, get a broad understanding so that we can all appreciate what's going on. Safe Network, for those who are not familiar with, uh, is a project that's been in process for over 13 years now, I believe. And uh, it is uh, designed to be a real leap forward in how we handle our data and communications. It's uh, designed to be, and actually to a certain degree already is, an autonomous data storage and communications network. Now, if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, go to safenetwork.tech. That's a great place to start. It gives you a sense of the network, and you can expand according to your needs beyond that. Uh, it's a good place to touch base. Now, before we get into uh, this particular episode, I want to give a shout-out to MadeSafe, the company who's been uh, shepherding this development along for so long and uh, really doing an amazing job. Uh, I want to uh, give appreciation for sponsoring this podcast, making it a little bit more uh, possible and really being uh, uh, supportive over the years. So this episode, we have a really neat advance I think, and we have uh, someone to help getting an understanding. You know, how can we, how computers connect together to form the internet and uh, and the World Wide Web is really a remarkably intricate and amazing thing. It's just amazing that it happens at all at the level of back and forth and and so forth. But when you get a broad peer to peer network, it's a whole different thing. A safe network is, of course, designed to be completely peer-to-peer to to get central servers out of the way uh, while being secure for everyone, uh, access for everyone with privacy, security, and freedom at the the base level of what's being done. So uh, made safe over the, uh, the course of developing has not found the tools available in the wild. To do that, so has had to maintain uh, a whole library called CRUST, Connections in Rust, which is basically the whole uh, bit of how does this peer-to-peer network connect together? How do you get past uh, routers and firewalls in order to establish stable connections? And it's been quite a quite a process, and, and CRUST has been uh, coming right along. But in this episode, we're going to explore... Well, why is it that MadeSafe has suddenly decided to uh, do something different? And uh, the intricacies of that are really cool. And to help us with that, we have a return guest, Spandan Sharma from MadeSafe. He, uh, well, let's introduce him. Spandan, welcome back. Hey, thank you. So tell us touch about yourself, what your position is, and uh, give an orientation for the folks before we dive into the meat. Okay, uh, so to keep it simple, the company is divided into two parts. Uh, one is the front end and one is the back end. Uh, the front end deals with all the product that goes out that you guys see, like the browser and stuff, and back end deals with the core networking and uh, security and, and making of the safe network, right? So I am in charge of the back end uh, group of guys. 
so my position is backend system manager. And, uh, cool, cool. And you've been working with uh, the connection protocol base, you know, very largely for a long time. Now, that uh, do you all oversee routing as well as con- the the connection? Or yes, I do. So you you the whole backend. Okay, that's great. Let's give folks a brief idea of well, what what is the backend from MadeSafe's perspective? Because there are a couple of different aspects that are really good to understand, and then we can isolate the connection aspect that we're talking about today. Right. It's, it consists of, say, like various pieces, and uh, they have to come together to work. So we can say at the center of everything is the routing layer that we have, uh, because that's all uh, that, that's where all the, the group consensus and the group security and all that thing come in. And all our consensus algorithms about like which are uh, asynchronous and Byzantine fault tolerant and all those things are all in routing, right? So that does your main made safe ZOR address overlay work. So your ZOR address, that's the XOR. Yeah, that's a mathematic. XOR- that's a mat- mathematical thing of how addresses are dealt with. So that. Uh, Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing, which you folks, I just didn't want to let that go by as a mystery for, for those that, that hadn't heard it. But anyway, that, that has to do with the sorting out uh, the, the, basically it's the logical structure of the network as opposed to the, how it's done, how they're connected. Is that, that fair about routing? Absolutely. Yes. Because, uh, uh, as, as far as the network, uh, the MateSafe network is concerned, it, it sort of forms groups at the routing layer, uh, which has nothing to do with the physical connectivity. So it's, it's the logical connectivity, as you said, in the XOR address space. Uh, what physically connects is obviously the layer beneath it, which is, which is, which was the crust. Uh, so we have users of routing and there are two users of routing so far. One is the client side. So they use the routing layer to kind of uh, reach the destination wherein they might have stored data and they want to retrieve it or they want to publish data. So so they have to use routing for that. And the other side, the other consumer of routing will be the vaults, which probably uh, once the made safe is released, will be run on people's computers. And th- those are the places where the data actually gets stored. So, so vaults from their own groups, and they they store certain pieces of information, which again depends on uh, certain factors like how close they are to the name of the data itself. So, so th- then you start going into the safe concepts. Right, uh, that gets down to so the nitty gritty. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, exactly. we don't we don't need to go there in routing at the moment. But it, the routing is a logical structure, and then we then we have to go well. How do you connect up? What What's the means and mechanisms? Uh, isn't that fair to say that's the main other part, and that is what uh, the crust library has been about? Yes. So, so beneath beneath routing sits crust. So routing forms its own network and uh, network of vaults. You can say right. So because they are consumers of routing, so so they form their own network, but somehow they need to be connected to each other. Uh, so that connection, the physical connection, is provided by Crust, the, the networking library, so far, which is um, going to be replaced. Or, oh, good. So I tell you what, uh, we're going to uh, Crust is going to be being replaced here, and that is what we're talking about. But uh, Crust had to be done because there was no other solution available in the past, right? Is that uh, that in itself a fair statement? Yes. Uh, because routing expects certain 
behavior from the library underneath. So it has certain expectations and, and to have those expectations, it's, it was far easier. And plus we switched over to Rust, right? So we had to look into the ecosystem that Rust had and, and the best solution at the, at the time we could come up with is writing our own library, which caters to whatever routing demanded at the time. Right, right. And uh, so uh, I guess what I really would like to to explore is some of the unique expectations uh, or what, what was it that uh, the safe network routing layer requires that is contained in crust and then then we'll see where we leap off and, and what the trade-outs are right so so certain aspects would be uh, number one fundamental would be security so so routing would expect everything that goes out to be encrypted so security would be one the second way is the way the routing network kind of bootstraps so when you start a node there's a particular bootstrap sequence and then you, then you connect to the sections the, the other would be like, uh, what do you do during the restarts? When the routing restarts and upgrades, do you hold on to the same set of keys? Do you not hold on to the same set of keys? What is your identity? Then would be like the chunking algorithms that Cross did because routing depended on some of them. Uh, then the NAT traversal part, which was not there in Crust, but it was there as an ancillary library. We, we didn't get around to integrating that in Crust, but uh, what we did as a precursor to in, in, introducing net traversal was uh, something called external reachability, and that is what Crust also used to do. Net traversal being the the ability to reach behind uh, routers to find to connect to the individual machines, which are being handled by one internet uh, address, which is the router, right? That there, that's got yes. that's that's vital in peer to peer connections. I do understand a little bit of this, but not from a functional layer. But but just the term, I, I just want to clarify in passing. So there are those various difficulties of how do you connect computers directly one to the other, and uh, I will link in the show notes a couple of other episodes and, and interesting things that will help anybody who needs to dig deeper on that. But it's a matter of how do you get these peer to peer connections, and and Crust has those unique. Um, needs in order to serve the network. Yes, uh, that, that's spot on. And uh, and the reason, like, we, when we don't have uh, the SNAT traversal integrated into Crust, we had something called external reachability, and that, that was, again, uh, another feature that was built into Crust, uh, wherein you could connect to me only if I could reverse connect to you. Otherwise, the network wouldn't allow you to uh, connect to the network. So if that flag was on, so what that basically meant was most of the nodes joining the network or most of the good nodes joining the network would be reachable by the other nodes. And since connectivity was very, very important to hold routing invariant, uh, we needed as much as we could get, like as, as many nodes to be connected uh, uh, in a section. So that was of paramount importance. And this external reachability was one of the things that we introduced in CROSS to uh, kind of address that. Okay, so there, there's been a lot of work, and, and actually Crust had gotten up to being fairly functional, right? Uh, but it hadn't included all the different ways of connecting, right? The, I, that was mainly run – now, here we get into some of the technical things that uh, I want to I address, but in, <laughs> it's hard to know where – 
you know when to restrain yourself from falling off the cliff into the uh, into the details and terminology but uh, most people have heard of TCP uh was a tra- tra- transfer control protocol uh that's the the basic agreement layer that that handles routing on the internet currently is that correct yes the uh, the transmission control protocol yeah Right. So TCP is how the network has been, how the internet is basically functioning, and that rides on top of the internet address protocol, the IP. But there are other ways of connecting other than using TCP, right? Yes, there are. So IP is like the best effort network, right? So it'll tell you, like, if you tell me to reach some destination, I'll, I'll make a best effort to reach it. And then on top of that, you have the tra- transport layer protocols, which uh, either add some bell, they, it's up to them to add more bells and whistles. For instance, like TCP adds reliability and congestion control and all that. UDP is the other one uh, which doesn't have, add all that stuff. So, Okay. And Crust, Crust uh, at its current state, mainly rode over TCP, and UDP was another problem that was going to have to be incorporated. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Though we had UDP in something called uh, service discovery. So we used to have these beaconing and finding out of peers on LAN. So for that, we used UDP. But once we were connected, we were always reliable and used TCP. Cool, cool. So not to to beat a dead horse here because we're moving away, but I wanted to give uh, a picture of what all has been put in to developing the crust layer because it's very vital. Is there anything vital more that we need to cover about it or we can go, okay, well, that's being, uh, we're shifting away from that. Uh, is that enough to cover in order to get a real good understanding of the, of what's being shifted to? Oh, no, I think that is enough. And of course, uh, crust, uh, as we know, is something that Alpha 2, which we released quite a while back, is running on, right? So crust is pretty stable in and it does what it promises, so, so that network hasn't come down in years. So, so yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. So it's it's not it's not being abandoned because it's not successful. It's just we're moving to something better, and and that's what we're going to get into now. Then, so uh, tell us about the quick protocol. Um, that that this is what we're moving to. It's a uh, QUIC, and it's all capitals. It's short for Quick UDP Internet connections uh that's what that's the, now tell us about the quick project and its origins and whatnot and then we'll get to uh you know an understanding of that and why it's uh, important to the internet at large i think it's really cool because this is something that quite aside from the safe network is a major step forward for all internet networking is am i correct in that yes you would be because from what i have read so far about quick, it seems to be the next, the the deep protocol that the internet is uh, moving to. So it's, it's very useful to get familiar with it and, of course, use it if you can. I would say, like, uh, I don't know about history much, uh, if, if I can recall correctly. It, it was probably invented by this one guy working in Google. So, right. And then slowly became adopted uh, by more and more and then complete team worked on it and then it became like a, like an IETF standard but there was a bit of a deviation over there so IETF also started developing this quick thing 
and Google Quick, the, the, the person from Google who invented it. So that became known as the G Quick. So that uh, that probably is evolving alongside the, the main Quick, which we are using, which is like also an IETF standard. Okay, good. I want to unpack a couple of things you said there for the listeners who who aren't. I would a few days ago that would a lot of that would have gone over my head, but I want to unpack it for everybody. So, uh, but yeah, I, I have my notes here. The uh, the protocol uh, was designed by David P. Reed back in 1980, and uh, who worked with Google, and so that's been being developed. And Google has been really working on putting all of its services into that kind of protocol format because they because it's very efficient within Google and it also will help transfer the uh, the the model out into the broader internet i think that's fair to say um the other version is adopted by the IETF you you mentioned IETF and that is the internet Engineering Task Force. Now, that's a standards body, right? That's like where a lot of uh, engineers from all different areas of the Internet get together and kind of hash out, well, how are we going to move forward so that we're not splintering and going off into uh, different directions that don't work together? Is that fair to say? Oh, yes, yes. It has a few of the most important RFCs that cover the internet today, including the TCP protocol itself, uh, this is an idea standard. Yes. Okay. Good. So that's great. So l- let's talk about the uh, TCP standard as opposed to this other thing called UDP, which uh, we need to define for folks, and uh, then we'll get an idea of, of, of why this quick protocol is so important broadly to the internet. And then I think we'll be in a position to to really get. Uh, a better picture of, of what what Made Safe is doing and why, right? So uh, you want to know about the TCP first? Yeah, well, yeah, just enough about TCP as opposed to UDP and what that is and and, and what the what the choke points are because the TCP has some security issues and it has uh, bandwidth issues and it has some problems of especially when you get into m- multiple you know trying to hook multiple computers together in in a network is it am I, am I on track there i've i've done some study but i want to <laughs> i want to make yes, sure i'm on that, track that is on track as as far as i can tell uh, that's absolutely on track uh it's, it's going to be more of my personal opinion as well I, I might have read it as well right so yes if, if you just compare tcp to udp then you get the usual stuff right tcp has reliability it has reliability in the sense that if i send you A followed by B, you're going to get A followed by B, and you're going to get both uh, at the other end, or you'll kind of get an error kind of stuff, right? And then the, the person sending would know via the acknowledgement that that it has reached the other end and so forth. Uh, and then there is congestion control in which, like, you, you don't choke the entire network or the, the pipes that you're sending through. It plays fair with the other uh, connections as well. So those two are very important and TCP has that, right? And UDP does not have that. It's kind of a fire and forget. You might follow, uh, you might send A followed by B, but you might receive B followed by A. You might not even receive A. You might receive just B, and you know, any any sort of combination can happen. Okay, so, well, so, so, I, I want to. Yeah. We're using the the term UDP, and we haven't really defined it yet. Uh, UDP stands for User Datagram Protocol. Um, that's just. Um, 
Oh, excuse me. I, I I had that wrong. UDP was the it was what David Reed developed. Not not quick. Anyway, yeah, UDP mm-hmm. was developed that way. And so the difference is, uh, as I understand it, feeding back and you know between you and and what I've looked at, TCP is a very it's formal. In other words, hey, I, I'm sending you. Are you there? Yes, I'm sending you something. Did you get it? You know, is the kind of thing you get an acknowledgement uh, and receipt, and if there's an error, then it can be corrected, and that's uh, that has a lot of advantages. Well, but UDP is you send these uh, datagram uh, protocol packets, and they and it's you fire as you said you fire and forget. You know, it's like well I've sent it, so what? You know, uh, you're not waiting for an acknowledgement that it was received to resend it. Is that, I mean, that's that's real ham-handed, but is that, uh, why would we want to do it that way? What's the advantage to uh, using a protocol like that as opposed to really being certain that what you sent was received? Well, if being certain is not your requirement, then you don't need to be certain, right? So it just boils down to the requirement. So. Uh, if you if you take off all the boilerplate of uh, acknowledgements and all that stuff, it keeps the protocol lightweight first of all, and secondly, it improves the speed, right? So because you don't have acknowledgements, you don't have to kind of wait for it. Uh, you keep sending and keep sending and keep sending. Maybe they are receiving, maybe they are not, and if that's okay for you, then then it's really fast that way, right? Otherwise, in TCP, at one point you need to stop sending because none of the things that you have sent so far has been acknowledged, has been acknowledged, and then you have something called windowing techniques and stuff that will kind of stop at certain point. Where you can use it is probably like Skype, what we are using right now uh, to talk. Uh, right. The packets are sent. Maybe a part of something is not sent, but you can still reconstruct it at the other end and you can still understand me. And if you are happy with that, it's fine, right? You don't have to kind of precisely receive every bit to understand everything of what I'm saying. And, and uh, people you, and people who have used Skype or listened to Skype conversations understand the little warbles and uh, dropped dropped chunks here and there uh, and buffering problems and so forth that you that happens but that's acceptable because we're still communicating even if it's not perfectly exactly. clear we're getting it yeah okay good absolutely yeah carry so, on yeah, so so that, that, that's where udp shines right and this is just the audio part i was talking about there might be video stuff that you don't really care whether you received every part of every frame or even every frame, maybe like if each UDP packet was a frame, maybe you missed a few frames. And if if you are displaying it at like 60 FPS or something like that, it's not your eyes are going to find that overwhelming that it missed a few frames. You probably won't even notice. So there, there are certain applications where you wouldn't care about like absolute reliability of delivery and all that stuff. Maybe you care about some reordering things and stuff, so so you build that on top of UDP. So NetNet, what UDP allows you to do is choose what you want and have that on top of this lightweight UDP protocol rather than prepackage everything and give it to you, which uh, TCP aims to do. So, so if people are happy with that, they will choose UDP. If they're happy with TCP, otherwise... If you package so much on top of UDP that you are getting closer and closer to the goals of TCP, at that point, you might just want to stop and use TCP or reevaluate, right? But if you are happy adding only small amount of bits that TCP provides on top of UDP, then you might still choose UDP. So, so it's just a mix and match. Okay. Now, uh, is that enough uh, understanding to reach forward into, well, what about peer-to-peer networks? 
Now, what are the constraints uh, of TCP in terms of, uh, you know, where you have vast numbers of computers interacting and, and connecting and they have multiple connections and they're doing all sorts of interesting, very logical on the routing layer, but on the connection layer, it seems chaotic and, you know, people are firing little bits of data around and not getting things verified. How, what's the advantage of TCP, I mean, of uh, UDP over that in, in peer-to-peer networks? I think everything stems from something that is not even that technical, uh, at least for me. So the thing is, uh, improvements in UDP is in your hands, right? So if I give you the bare tools and if I tell you, go make something from it, then it's up to you what you make, right? So so you can design kind of a car that you like. Uh, you maybe want just two seats in the back and maybe like five seats near the driver's seat. Look like a weird car, but maybe that's what you want. <laughs> it's up to you, right, to, to design that. But if I don't give you that choice, if I just tell you that this is the car you're always going to have, then you might run into problems if, if your requirement was to have that weird car. So TCP is very, very ingrained into... Uh, the, the the routers, the, the kernel, like the operating system kernel, and any improvements that you want to make to TCP takes a very long time because it's obviously it needs to pass over the entire discussion and then it needs to go into the operating system kernel and it affects a lot of other things. So so it's, it's just very sluggish. Whereas uh, UDP, oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking that that's kind of analogous to uh, IPv4 and IPv6. The connect, <laughs> the, the IPv4 is the address space for internet uh, machines, and uh, and they, they started running out of addresses to be. That's why we ended up with. Uh, routers uh, having to get past routers to make connections between machines and changing over to IPv6 which has abundant address space it's been it's been pulling teeth it's just not not happened because and that's kind of similar to just on that level TC you're basically saying TCP is so ingrained that you want to make a little change that of any significance getting everybody to agree on making that change as as an incremental thing is difficult. It might be easier just to shift a whole protocol stack. Is that fair? That, that's, that's very accurate. In fact, like it works that way. If, if some developers are hearing this, then they will immediately associate the same thing in, in the development environment wherein it is very difficult to get any changes to the language itself whereas it is very it's relatively much easier to get the changes to the library that you are using so if something is a library feature you can add things to it easily but if something is a language feature and you want to make that so that takes a lot more iterations and convincing and all that stuff right. so absolutely the same thing with tcp because it's a part of the kernel and all that stuff if you want to make changes now nah, i don't want this i want this extra blah 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 it it takes a lot more uh, to, to do it over there Okay, good. So that kind of gets part to, partly to the crux of this whole uh, quick protocol shift. Um, let's under let's see if we can understand the advantage. You know, a a what the change is. I mean, if, when you look at the graphic of it, it's like you you get okay. Well, there's the internet protocol connection down at the bottom, and then on the one side, you've got uh, uh, TCP, and then everything's built on top of that. On the other, you have UDP, and the whole, uh, what's, 
I'm I'm trying to figure out a, a way. It, it shows up nicely in graphic, but I'm trying to figure out a way of communicating. I guess when you when you're looking at doing this, uh, well, it's not just peer to peer networks. It's also security, right? There, it, it, let's talk about the 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 security problems in using TCP. I guess that's a that's an, a, a key element, and and that's being solved here. Is that isn't that right? It is. So so everything stems from the previous problem that I told you. So so say like TCP does not have feature X. In this case, X happens to be security, right? So you say like, okay, what if we could build this into TCP and now we would be secure? But then that change will take an enormous amount of time, maybe decades, and people still wouldn't be convinced and they would be like, why don't you build your own protocol on top of TCP that does that security handshake and all that stuff? Why do you want to... Uh, inter- interfere or refactor the TCP that is already there. Whereas with the UDP, it doesn't give you anything. So it doesn't give you congestion control. It doesn't give you reliability. It doesn't give you anything. So you are free to make your own custom implementation in whatever way you want. So if you say security is the only thing that is important to me, I don't care if the packets are reordered, maybe uh, the remote and just discards it and I'm okay with that and all that stuff, fine. Just go and add your own protocol that adds security on top of UDP and here. You have some secure UDP, blah, 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 protocol, right? So so in, instead of tweaking TCP and uh, making layers on top of TCP toil more and more, uh, what people started doing is let's take this UDP, which is raw as ever, like as anything that we can get, and let's start tweaking that or let's start building on top of that uh, and, and include things that we want and don't include things that we don't. So maybe certain features of TCP, which make it an expensive to use protocol, don't add it. So what Quick did was, and certain other protocols, like Quick is not the only one on top of UDP, right? There are certain competitors as well, but Quick added a lot more than what others added. So we kind of adopted Quick. So what Quick did was it added reliability, which also, by the way, the, the microtorrent protocol, the BitTorrent, UTP microtorrent protocol, yes, that added also. So that also is reliable. Quick added congestion control. Uh, UTP also is congestion controlled. As far as I know, UTP does not do any kind of uh, security handshake. It does not uh, have any TLS or some kind of a requirement. Quick, on the other hand, has this uh, requirement that all the handshakes, everything starting from the beginning, even the first message that you send, needs to be encrypted. So it needs to do some kind of a certificate handshake. And it does like a TLS handshake, right? So it reads the certificate of the server or you supply the certificate of the server, it'll encrypt using that and then the server will reply encrypt using your stuff or the key that you have shared with the server. Uh, so you get uh, encryption for free. So if you're looking for something like that, then why do you want to build something on top of TCP to do it when Quick as a protocol by itself does it? And it's a part of the IETF standard, which means thousands and thousands of more eyes looking into it probably every security loophole gets patched very quickly, whereas your own implementation might have bugs which just go unnoticed for, I don't know, decades. Wow, wow. Well, you said a lot there, and a couple of things I want to clarify for for those that that aren't up on the acronyms. I had to actually look back at my notes. <laughs> so let me run Pat. Let me see if I can uh, give a simpleton feedback on what you what you just said and, and see if I miss anything. So basically, TCP has has a very rigid set of things, and and it's not great for everybody. But UDP, on the other hand, is is raw, wild west. But if everybody agrees uh, on uh, and knows how to deal with those packets, then uh, just in, on the routing 
aspect, then it, many different implementations can be built on top of that, which will work easily. Um, am I right so far? Absolutely. Okay, good. I'll check as we go. But the the what Quick is doing is it's building in default security. In other words, if you're using anything out of a, a, a Quick protocol stack or library, uh, it runs on UDP, but immediately uh, everything is encrypted at all levels, whether it's a little piece of a message or a whole, each chunk, and also the security of knowing who you're talking to and so that people in between, um, uh, machines in between uh, aren't able to filter or man in the middle and things like that. Uh, so that's that's kind of one of the key things that that we're looking at with the quick protocol is that security while having the ability to talk to a lot of different machines freely and easily uh which that that's a restraint on, on TCP also it's like you can only have so many connections whereas in the quick protocol your ability to connect to more machines securely is increased uh and oh, and you mentioned TLS, which is transport layer security, and that's uh, that's just talking about the security that's built in at that level, and that's what that's what Quick is including. Is that where we kind of am I picking up what you're laying down there, so to speak? Oh no, yes. Uh, I would, there's a small thing I would like to say. Oh, there is. Uh, the TCP, you mentioned the big, uh, restrictions and the number of connections and all that stuff. So, yes, it is, but because of a completely different thing, it has nothing inherently got to do with TCP. Uh, it has just got to do with the idiosyncrasies of operating systems, which code TCP in a certain way. For instance, Linux uh, has a concept of file descriptors, right? So socket descriptors and file descriptors. Mm-hmm. What they basically mean is if I am connected to you, there is something, some magic thing called file descriptor, if you're not technical, which is reserved for you. So if I connect to somebody else, there's an absolutely new file descriptor reserved for that. So you can re- refer to our connection using that file descriptor. So say that file descriptor is A. So if I say A, it automatically means that I and so John and I are connected, right? right? If I say B, maybe it means that Viv and I are connected, blah, blah, blah. Right. Linux restricts it to a certain limit by default. So say, say that limit is 1024, which I think is the limit in many of the distros. Uh, so you cannot have more than 1024 open file descriptors. Now, the thing with Linux is everything is a file, so it's just not the connections. Where it's a, Maybe it's just an open text edit file, so that is also a file, gets a file descriptor, so on. So NetNet, what will happen is uh, you have only a few of them left at your disposal to actually make connections. Maybe that few is 200 on some systems. Maybe it is 120. Maybe it is 500. If your requirement is 10,000, then obviously you are running out of those file descriptors. So you need to go and do something else in the operating system, either to increase that limit or do something, and then get the TCP connection. So that is the problem with uh, that we used to face. Okay, so yeah, so it's not necessarily a, a complete problem with the TCP itself, but with the the uh, the ossification, I guess you'd say, it's, it's hardened up in terms of translating into different operating systems and so forth. Uh, that has kind of made that rigid, but UDP lets you go around that problem. Is that that what you're saying? 
Yes, and in UDP, it is something for technical guys will know it's connectionless. So UDP doesn't really have the notion of connection. You need to build it on top of UDP. So quick UTP, UDT, all these will have the notion of connection, but quick itself, uh, sorry, the UDP layer itself does not have any notion of connection. So I can fire, I can have a UDP socket at my end and fire hello to you and I can fire hello to Viv. And I can fire hello to both of you using exactly the same socket and just one file descriptor, which is A in this case. So I can connect in logical sense, like physically there is no UDP connection. So I can actually talk to a lot of people by not exhausting more than one file descriptor. So that is the advantage of UDP, which is of tremendous advantage to us in SAFE because routing uh, wants security. And security is why a group consensus and group depends on a majority or at least the supermajority being non-malicious guys, uh, which means like if you, have, if you have a group of 10, then it is, it's, it's, it's foolish to assume that uh, six of them would be kind of uh, good people or something like that, right? right. But if you have a group of 100, then it becomes easier to reason about group consensus and security because more the number of groups. So, so, so is, is the number in the section size that is rooting strength? So it wants a lot of people in a section and then sections connect to other sections. So it wants to have as many connections as possible. And then you start testing the limits of uh, the number of connections that will be allowed by TCP in a given operating system. And then you start running into those problems with TCP. Right. So here we're, we're starting to jump into the, the specific things regarding safe. But le- before we go there, what are the advantages of this to the broad world of the Internet? In other words, I understand that uh, the quick protocol is being designed and more and more broadly accepted as the next way to uh, the next protocol level on which the World Wide Web will will run. Right, The, the hypertext transfer protocol is traditionally run on top of TCP. But mm-hmm. it's it, basically this is evolving and going to be going out rather quickly to basically replace that level broadly on the internet, right? Yes, because it, it all it needs is a certain expectation from the underlying protocol. Uh, reliability congestion control are few of them. If you have all of them in quick, uh, then HTTP doesn't care what it is running on, right? It, it has certain expectations. If those expectations are met by Quick, then it can use Quick. Uh, and then Quick can do better because it lives in the user space, which is, I think, the major advantage because anything that doesn't live in the user space lives in the kernel space or something like that. Like an OS right, And then it gets a choke point. Yeah. Then it gets to that one. So it, so, so, so there is a possibility of rapid development and that, that's what's happening to Quick. It's, it's not a completely finalized protocol. Uh, it's still a living ITF uh, standard, I guess, like uh, changes are made made to it. But it's at least got to a point where most of the things required by at least us are stable. So so we can at least use this. Cool, cool. So that's that's something anybody who's interested broadly in the Internet would probably be, who hasn't heard of it, would maybe be looking into because it's going to... Uh, it's going to change a lot, but basically just by way of improving, improving security point to point on everything. I think that's really, really neat because that's kind of a lot of the ideal behind the safe network anyway, is it is broadly increasing security and, and reliability. So let's now talk about the decision to deprecate, uh, to move away from the crust. Yeah, it's kind of a bespoke, bespoke library. It's like, hey, it didn't exist. 
MadeSafe had to build it. How is that transition over to Quick going, and and how does that work? Just in terms of well, what a library, what library is adopted, and how is it tweaked, and and what are we talking about now instead of Crust? Right. So Crust is say, say it's, it it fulfills the need for Alpha Two, right? So whatever Alpha Two had expectations, the routing of Alpha Two. Crust fulfills those needs, and that's why this Alpha 2 network is running for whatever number of years, uh, and it's completely stable. So Crust is doing what it is doing. For future, however, the, the main thing that has happened is the tremendous increase in group sizes, right? So Alpha 2, is the, the walls at least run from DigitalOcean, which is, which is known to us, so there's no chance of any malice. So, so we are not dealing with m- malicious code in, uh, running in the wild. Uh, if you if you want to release routing node from home, at some point, then you have to deal with malice and all that stuff. Uh, it is of paramount importance that routing section sizes are big, and the entire thing started stemming from that, that once you have big section sizes, you have some expectations about the connectivity. More people you are connected to, the better it is so that you don't have to tunnel connect to them through somebody else, that somebody else could be malicious. And so on and so forth. Yeah, so, I, I just want to chime in on that. Uh, I just had a realization regarding the, for real security, it, so bad actors can't influence it. The, the more nodes that you have operating in agreement according to a, a specific set of factors, the harder it is for malice to occur, right? Because they, they, it's hard to break consensus when you have large sections. Is that, is that pretty much what you're saying there? Yes, plus uh, it, the larger the sections, I guess it's more res- resistant to civil attacks, right? So so right, right. If, if you just have a group of 10 people, you can easily DOS them, and that's the end of it, if, even if all of them were honest. But if you have like a group size of 200, then it's a lot more difficult than if they are running on Cloudflare or something, it's even more difficult because then you have the DOS protection for free done by somebody else. Right. But net-net. Bigger the section size, is better it is for for routing up to a certain limit. Of course, like if, if you keep increasing, then it, the other problems start. Well, you happen, start breaking at the other end. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, thanks, uh, thanks. So, so once that happened, and routing said, that, "Hey, I want a lot more connections suddenly from you," then we started running into the limits of what TCP can do in certain operating systems. So the other way. Yeah, the solution is like you go tell the folks that go to your operating system, try to find this open file descriptive limit, try to increase it to maybe, I don't know, 80,000 or something from 1,000 and then run our vaults, which is not very user-friendly experience, though you could do that. So that was the primary motivation why we started looking into UDP-based protocol. Uh, then when you read about Quick, it just becomes a no-brainer that if you are choosing the UDP-based protocol, go with something that is, first of all, uh, at least uh, proclaimed to be the next thing in the in Internet. And secondly, it sort of ticks most of the boxes that we want. Uh, otherwise, we would be implementing those in CRUST. So there are like chunking algorithms we implement, uh, implement in CRUST because uh, CRUST uses TCP and TCP is not multi-streamed. Uh, we can go into those terms, but for now, if you think that multi-streaming is something that is very important for us to prevent something called another jargon head of the queue blocking, then yes, TCP doesn't do that. So you need Quick. So Quick does that free. So we took our code and just trashed it because t- because using TCP we had all that code in Crust, and now using Quick we don't need that code. So good. Well, that uh, simplifies things a lot, right? Yes. So that way, we took out a lot of boilerplate from Crust and eventually realized that, 
hey, if you use Quick, then it is an ITF standard. People are looking at it. A lot more people are looking into that than people looking into Crust. And Quick is a specification. So, so even if the library codes it wrong, someday it will get it right because the specification says do it in certain ways, right? Right. Crust, on the other hand, is not based on any specification. It is just based on our experiences. Ah, uh, it misses this. Let's add this. Ah, uh, so we need to tackle that. Let's let's add that sort of stuff. All right. So, so, yeah. so basically, you may say if it's taken an existing one particular version of a quick library and modified it and made it now, I think it's quick P2P uh, is, uh, the, is the designation of the, the safes uh, version. Is that, is that correct? No, no, not that. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be correct at all. Uh, the thing is uh, quick is a specification, right? We don't make any changes to the specification. That would be impossible to do. Without. No, no, I got that. I got that. But I mean, there's a particular library of its implementation. Right. So the quick is a specification implemented by a lot of libraries. So once you have the specification of formal standard, uh, then you're free to implement it in the language of your choice, the way you want it, certain designs, you have leeway. So we were looking for something in the Rust ecosystem because we use Rust. There are already libraries. I think Facebook has made its C++ quick open source. Uh, but we wanted something in Rust because it integrates better with our uh, ecosystem. So there's a library called Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, uh-huh. uh, that's written in Rust, and that follows the quick specification. So we consume quick via Quinn. So we consume the quick protocol via the Quinn library, and we add our own stuff on top of that to make it uh, cater to the demands of the routing layer. So that is what quick P2P is. And uh, it is P2P because uh, we'll soon be adding like a uh, NAT traversal code into it. And it adds like external reachability and all those things on top of it, which is required by us. So it, it does not modify quick protocol in any way. It just consumes it and then builds an application on top of it. So that is what quick is. So any, and anybody could do similarly depending on their, the language they want to use and, and, and then the additional features as you were talking about the basic layer of how or how how they're interacting is a specification and basically well if you do this then people will recognize what you're doing and uh quinn is one implementation for rust and and then it's being modified and added to in in an additional library for safe i got it i got it yes cool well that boy that's a that's covering a lot of ground um how is this going to affect the uh, the launch uh, capabilities or prospects for the safe network? I mean, uh, oh, I, I do want to mention that uh, recently a new roadmap has been laid out, and you know, discussions about what's where, and anybody who wants to track the, the actually incredible progress that's been going on in moving the safe network forward. But uh, I, I saw in the forum some concern, wow, so is this going to delay the relief, re- release of the next level, the the, the Fleming uh, release, which is the the next level of, uh, of release? How is this going to affect that? Uh, it's, I think the, the problem right now, we're very orthogonal. Uh, because I, I I oversee both the teams and I obviously said no, know who is where, right? So if routing, for instance, was coded today and they were depending on crust and we said like, now nah, hold on, uh, wait for like a month more, we'll take out crust, put in quick P2P and uh, you'll have a better interface and so on. Then yes, it, it would be like controversially internally even, 
and we would discuss it out like do we really go for that or do we just put out this routing with Fleming and all that stuff but if they are not close to completion at least by the time we would have done quick p2p transition then it totally makes sense to use something from the ecosystem that solves our problems and we don't have to maintain anything right so with the crust you need to maintain your own chunking algorithm you need to maintain your own multi-streaming algorithm you need to maintain your own secure serialization algorithm with quick you don't need to do any of these stuff all you need to do is concentrate on what algorithms you want particularly for safe and forget about the things that quick kind of takes care of so it, it makes it extremely uh kind of hassle-free maintenance of that library and you can concentrate more on the other areas of made safe where you, where you require more manpower. So, so it kind of has the opposite effect of uh, saying that uh, taking out crust and putting it quick in this moment might delay it. It's not because routing wasn't ready to begin with. It's not like it was ready to go to kind of integrate with crust and then we halted everything and we put it quick. No, it's just the opposite of that, right? Oh, so this should speed things up. That's great. And I love the the idea that you know this is leveraging the broad uh, the broader community getting all that uh that security and encryption at a fundamental layer that that will increase the adoption of that broadly anyway and it'll it'll have more eyes looking at the underlying uh implementations and so forth so that that just is good for everybody Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Well, wow. Well, we, we've we've done quite a bit here. Uh, I'm uh, I'm putting in the show notes a couple of articles, both about the Quick protocol generally and its importance and the specific implementations for uh, for MadeSafe. And I'll throw in some other interesting stuff in there for anybody who wants to do background. Uh, this is very exciting. Quite aside from the Safe Network, I'm I'm really glad to get a breakdown of this, and it's very encouraging for the kind of freedom and independence and security of the the internet broadly uh, is that fair to say yes well good well <laughs> Stanton, thank you so much is, is there anything we've missed anything that uh, ought to be pointed out for folks that i haven't seen uh loads and loads of things so if you, if you, if you <laughs> let me start people will go to sleep Okay, so we've, we've, oh, I bet you could. Hey, we'll have to have you back and, and explore some of those things discreetly. Uh, well, thank you so much. It, it's really great. I'm very excited to, to see this move. And like I say, folks, uh, whether you really follow the Safe Network or not, this is a really important piece of, uh, of technology that's coming forward generally. Then once you appreciate it, you can probably get a, a better understanding. Go to safenetwork.tech and explore the the depth of uh, where the safe network safe network is going it's a it's a huge deal especially when you start integrating other things like resource description framework uh, and the solid implementation by Tim Berners Lee and all these things are really starting to come together broadly but I think uh, the safe network is really exciting I hope more people will uh, will get involved well thank you Spandon and uh, we will talk to you again. Been a pleasure, John, as usual. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.